0: Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here with Patricia.
1: Nope, my name is Patty.
0: Just Patty? Yep, seriously. I, I am here with non-Patricia Patty Wilson. <laughs> I never asked you that before. I always wondered that. Uh,
1: it gets me into so much trouble with jobs because they automatically assume it's Patricia and I have to like make them change all their paperwork. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, anyway... Patty, Mm -hmm. what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about people who are organ transplant um, recipients. Mm -hmm. And these people, some of these people, have had some amazing experiences after the transplant. So it's called um, the topic is genetic memory. And we're going to talk about genetics. And it may not sound paranormal, but wait till you uh, hear some of the stories and then you'll change your mind.
0: Listen genetics carrying memories uh, that's pretty paranormal i mean it's oh, it's, it's more it's mainstream more than that. yeah it's it's more mainstream now like science is waking up to some of this woo woo stuff but <laughs> but uh i think that's uh yeah let's let's do it
1: okay so um you know, organ transplanting is really a very, very recent development. It was only begun the experiments on it in the 60s and successfully began to become part of the medical community in the 70s. So we're not looking at something that's had a very long history. But that said, it is interesting that even in the very beginning in the 70s, um, there were people who had organ transplants who then began to talk about things changing. But not only did they talk about it, their families also would begin to notice differences in them. The very first case that ever came to light was a lady by the name of Claire Sylvia. And she got um, her transplant in New Haven Hospital in the United States here and um, in Connecticut. And it was a lung heart transplant. Now, she has the transplant. A few days after the transplant, she is asked, by reporters, because she made big news, you know, this was a success at a time when they were just beginning to be able to be successful at it. And um, a reporter said to her, how are you feeling? And her first response, um, and this is from an interview that I I watched with her, she said, um, I said, I die for a beer right now. And then I stopped and thought, I don't like beer. Why would I say that? Um, and then she said uh, she said that uh, she had talked to her doctors because they asked her how she felt, of course. And she said, it feels different. It feels strange. There's a whole different rhythm and a different feeling to me now. Like her heart had a different rhythm. And she said, I'm trying to learn to get used to that. And that puzzled them because um, doctors were coming at this from the perspective of body parts. You know, this is a heart, it's a pump. These are lungs, they're air-filled little sacks. They saw nothing else to it. Um, And then she said, um, later on, she came to find out that um, she liked peppers. She hated peppers before the transplant, but she liked peppers now. She put peppers in everything. And chicken nuggets. She never ate junk food, and chicken nuggets was something she did not like at all. And when she got out of the hospital, she found herself craving chicken nuggets, she couldn't explain any of this and um, another thing that was different is she wrote originally she wrote from right to left like most people do okay or from like okay and her writing style changed she found herself writing from um, to writing a different style her handwriting changed the um, a lot of things about it had just they just changed and um, then she began to have these dreams. Now, this would be several months after she got home. And in the dreams, she, was, she saw the driver of a motorcycle. And she's watching him on a motorcycle as he's going around the turns and doing what he's doing. And she said when she woke up, she knew his name was Tim. And his last name began with an L. That's what she knew. And she had these dreams over and over about Tim. So finally, she called the um, person who coordinated the organ doning. And she said, I want to know the name of the person whose heart and lungs I have. And the person said, don't do this. It's pointless. Everybody has anonymity. But over the course of time, she persisted. And eventually, she managed to find out who the person was. The person's name was Tim Lambert. He died on a motorcycle, in a motorcycle accident. In his jacket pockets, when they, um, after they had uh, lost him, and they were taking his personal effects, they found chicken nuggets in his pockets. When she eventually would meet his family, she would find out loved beer, that Tim ate green peppers on everything and that he had a passion for chicken nuggets that bordered on an obsession. (laughs) And then she compared his handwriting with hers and her handwriting had morphed and become much more like his. And she began to realize that she wasn't alone. Part of Tim was with her and she would live the rest of her life to this, you know, till today with the belief that she's got part of Tim with her, not just in the organs, but that part of his personality has come with her. She now likes beer. She still likes green peppers, even though it was something that prior to the surgery, she picked off of food if she mm-hmm. had to endure it. Um, and all kinds of things that she found that were actually Tim Lambert's you know, personality traits or, or his likes and dislikes. So I want to tell you another story. In 2005, there was a woman in France who had a organ tra- transplant. And after the um, organ transplant, she has a series of nightmares. And she is in a car and she's driving and she knows the make, the model, the year, the color of this car. She's going down a mountain and her heart is just pounding as though she's, you know, she's terrified. Um, she can't figure out why, but this is the most terrifying nightmare she's ever had in her entire life. She's going way, way too fast. And, um, so she goes to a a therapist eventually because the nightmares persist for months and months. And the doctors tell her, well, you know, the trauma of having to have an organ transplant and all the changes in your life and everything. This is, this is, um, the symbol of you being out of control. You need to go see a psychiatrist. So she goes to a therapist and um, she tells the therapist and then she says something to the therapist that changes her life. She said, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like I have somebody else's memories. And the therapist sits and thinks about it for a while and she says, "Um, do you know anything about the person whose organs were implanted into you? And she said, no, they don't tell you anything, nothing. So eventually um, she began to research it along with the help of the uh, therapist, even though the doctors were dead set against it. And she found out that the organ donor whose organs she now had had died going down a mountain in a car, the same make, model and Keller as the one she saw in the nightmare. And he had lost control and gone too fast around a curve and ended up dying. Once she found this out, the nightmares stopped.
0: So what what was, okay, what were the organs in those two?
1: Well, the one she just, the one article said, just said organ transplant. The other was heart and lungs.
0: And hearts lungs, are gonna, okay.
1: Yeah, hearts are going to end up being our, our primary focus, but I want to tell you a couple more. So in Croatia, in the late early early 2000s um a a gentleman who was a um worked at a lumberjack um had i know don't make the joke
0: i love lumberjacks
1: (laughs) i'm sure you do
0: (laughs) i used to look like one for a while
1: anyway he um he had a bad heart and he had a heart transplant and um after he came home, this is a guy. is a big burly guy. He, you know, was this kind of like t- atypical slob kind of dude. He starts freaking out his whole family because suddenly he's like run, bustling about the house, cleaning things up, and get this up and pick this up and why isn't that done and why are the dishes not done and let's get this cleaned up right now. And he thinks he's gone insane. So he finds out eventually after. Questioning a lot of people and stuff, that he ended up getting the heart of a woman who had been a housewife, and she was a neat freak. How about in Georgia? There was a gentleman who got um, a heart, um, and he was a a perfectly happy-go-lucky guy. Very felt very mm-hmm. blessed to have been given this opportunity to to live again. And after the heart transplant, he suddenly is morose. And depressed and just not himself at all. His family's just shaken by how, you know, he physically feels better. And he says, I physically feel better, but I'm so depressed. And he ends up committing suicide.
0: Hmm.
1: When the family researches it, they find out that the heart that he was given was the heart of a suicide victim. And interestingly enough, he committed suicide exactly the same way as the heart donors had. Let's talk about one more case. Two young girls. One is eight and one is ten. The eight-year-old little girl is born with a bad heart. And her family is called and um, told to hurry to the hospital. She's been on the donor list for quite a long time. And a heart has come in. That is perfect for her. So they rush her to the hospital. She gets um, the heart. And... She, you know, she goes through the recovery period and what have you. She goes home, and she begins to have the series of dreams. In the dreams, she sees a man coming into her bedroom. She sees another little girl laying in the bed, but she knows it's her bedroom. It doesn't make any sense to her, but she knows it. She sees this man's face so clearly that it's terrifying to her. She could describe him for a sketch artist if she had to, and in fact, she does. Her family finds out they're, – they're shaken by what has happened because this is – she's convicted that this is this is a real person and you need to – we need to find this man because this is a bad man. And he did bad things and I know it. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know to who. But he did bad things. They are so convinced they finally go to the police. The police find out that the heart she was given was the heart of a 10-year-old little girl who was murdered. They ask her to sit down with a sketch artist and give them a picture Of the man she sees in the nightmares. It is. A picture that they then show. To the family of the 10 year old little girl. They recognize the man. As a person. It was acquaintance type friend. And when they start looking into him. They find out he is the man. Who took the little girl and murdered her.
0: Hmm.
1: And after that. The um, man is arrested. She no longer has the nightmares. Now, about 5 to 10% of all people who um, have transplants are reporting it. However, there's a very serious suspicion that this is being underreported
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's so odd. And doctors are also um, poo-pooing it. You know, a lot of doctors are like, no, that's, that's just folklore. That's just, you know, it's not true. It's not true. But... Was a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Gary Schwartz who began to collect these stories. He heard some of these stories and he began to collect them. And it was through his writings originally that the stories started to come forward. And he began to propose this theory that is beginning to catch on and get and make some traction now in the field. And it is the theory, there's a the theory of genetic memory or um, cellular memory. Different people call it different things. And it is a belief that after a transplant, um, things change. One of the cases that convinced um, a neurosurgeon, who's also looking into a Dr. Remy Nadar, um, who's been collecting case studies as well, is one of his own cases so he kind of didn't believe in it until he had a case where it happened. He had a guy who was like a an avid hunter and um you know and, and all of this and the guy had a heart transplant. And after the heart transplant, he becomes vegan. He doesn't want to hunt, but he also wants to smoke. And he didn't smoke prior to the to the surgery.
0: Hmm.
1: And um his family starts talking about um he, his personality changing. He hated lemons. That was like one of his least favorite flavors, and now he craves lemon all the time. It turns out eventually, Nadar looks into this um, case, finds out that the the donor heart came from a man who was a vegan. He loved to suck on lemons. That was like his thing. He liked just like the flavor of lemon all the mm, time.
0: Okay. Um,
1: my dad, <laughs> one of my sons likes lemons. He'll actually just sit there and eat lemons like you would an orange. Really. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, the guy smoked cigarettes.
0: A vegan that smokes cigarettes.
1: I know it's a weird combination, but it is what it is, you know?
0: <laughs> You'd think, well, I guess it depends why he's vegan, but usually a health nut, right? You would think, yeah. I mean, in
1: some respects. But anyhow, it changed this guy completely. He was just a totally different person. They also talked about a gentleman who um was about 30, 40 pounds overweight. He got a heart transplant. He was one of those... um. Guys who, um, you know, he's a successful businessman. Everything was all about the business. He worked, you know, 70 hours, 80 hours a week. And after the transplant, he becomes a completely different person. He starts losing weight. He's running. He's training for marathons. You know, he's in his Mm mid-50s. And he had no interest in any of this stuff prior. He's, you know, mountain climbing, wanting to jump out of airplanes. Just insane for him. His family can't make any sense out of it eventually he would come to learn that he received the heart of a young gentleman who was a um, stuntman and loved to do all of these things. He would, about a year after the transplant, meet the family. And he recognized, like they recognized so many of the things that he said had changed in his life. He lost like 60 pounds. He was running and biking every single day. He had learned to jump out of airplanes and do all this stuff that that um, the um, donor had done prior to his death.
0: Is that how he died? They didn't say how he died. (laughs) Okay,
1: But he um, he was he said he was he felt compelled to do this.
0: Huh.
1: And he's like, "I, I just couldn't stop myself. I just that was where my interests lie. I just wanted to be physically active all the time. And when he talked to the family, that's exactly what they described him as. He was always on the go, always outside doing something. He just loved to be, you know, stretch himself that way.
0: So what is this? So. Like, is this.
1: Strap yourself in because we're going on a journey. I was so excited by this. Um, So there are a couple Organizations in place and people who are looking at something called um, the heart-brain connection. Okay. Uh huh. Now I'm hoping I can pr- put this out here exactly right so that every, it that makes sense to everybody. So we know the brain is the center of, lo- of thought and knowledge, memory and learning. Correct. Yes. Okay. And during there's a there's an organization called the Heart Math Institute. In San Francisco, and since this the um, for the last thirty years approximately, they have been mapping the connections between the heart and the brain. In Canada, there's also a doctor who's been doing exactly the same thing. Okay.
0: Now, what do you mean by heart? Do you the mean physical the pumping the organ? Organ. Okay. All right. All right. Not the, the physical state pumping of pumping yeah. organ.
1: No, not the state of a heart. Right. But. This is the part that's going to get really interesting because, and I wrote some of this down so that I had notes because it's so much stuff. There is something called cell memory or microtubular memory, okay, so that at the cellular level there are connections that are made in the cells with the organ cells that can change the entire structure of our body. Now I want you to understand what that means. So we have a heart. It's a, it's a pumping organ, okay? But it also produces um, electromagnetic energy. In fact, it produces 5,000 times more electromagnetic energy than our brain. And they're learning so much about it. They have found that through the years of studying this, that... Um, how do I want to say this? I want to make sure I say it so it makes sense. Um, that there's a code in the heart. There's a, a set of um, neurons in the heart that is in, in and around the heart that are brain cells. No. Yes.
0: No. Yes.
1: <laughs> they actually refer to it as a little brain.
0: Okay, so it, it, this is not everybody. Yes. It didn't just it, leak out of somebody or something, some no. weird way. Okay.
1: So, so there's neurons that are, are flowing through and they're connecting the heart to the brain. The heart and the brain talk to each other all the time. And it talks to all the other organs, okay? Sure. Yep. And that's what makes everything work, right?
0: I thought. <laughs> now I don't know what you're going to tell me.
1: Okay, so.
0: Stop it, Patty. Just stop it. You're changing my perspective on everything these last couple episodes and I can't take it.
1: So there are brain cells that are in the heart and a system of neurons in the heart that function like a brain. Now, the heart actually uses them to remember the rhythm that our heart has okay and then it tries to make the heart do the same rhythm again okay that's what keeps it pumping at a steady rate now i know this is crazy
0: (laughs) i didn't learn any of this in biology class no
1: you didn't because they're just learning this stuff in the last 10 years and nobody's talking about it
0: now patty are they brain cells in the heart yes or heart cells in the brain
1: no they're separate it's like they call it a little heart it is a network of neurons in the heart um, a small complex of neuron system called the little heart okay and it's called heart intelligence so it's a complex nervous system function a functional brain it has short and long-term memory And it has been shown that it remembers and carries on cardiac cycles. That's the pounding of the heart, the pumping of the heart. And it may carry on other functions as well. Now, listen, the heart spreads out, the blood pumps through the heart, carrying all those neurons and electromagnetic energy. It could go into the other organs, okay, and then back through to the brain, through the brain, back to the heart. We make that cycle, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've all, we've all seen that the picture of the guy with, you know, cut in half and we see the cycle of the blood and all this stuff. Right. So, now hearts can live for about four hours outside the body under the specific conditions they use for removing a heart for transplant. Okay. And then you put the heart into a new person, right? Yeah. Okay. And it is that memory, that ability for it to remember what it's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. That kicks in and once the heart is connected again to the brain.
0: Okay. To a, a brain.
1: To the the person's brain. Okay. Right. The whole connection is made again. Okay. Right, right, because right. you take out the heart, you put a new heart in. Yeah. Okay. The heart remembers the cycles it was supposed to be making. So that's what starts it beating again. And it goes back into the same rhythm it had before it died. Well, before the person died. Okay? Yes. All right. So. Now I'm going to go to another facet, and I think we're going to talk about this for quite a while. So, at heart math, they be- <laughs> you're sinking down.
0: I continue.
1: <laughs> at heart math, they began to monitor the electric transmissions to see if they could be followed, and they correlated with our emotional state. So the electrical transmissions in our heart change with our emotional state. But here's something amazing. They decided to do a study. And this has only just happened a couple years ago. And in this study, they decided to... Heart responds, like electrically responds with memory, short and long-term memory. Okay. Or if the brain tells the heart what to do. So in order to do this, they wired a pers- they wired these people and they were me- measuring their um, neurological, their galvanic responses, their electromagnetic energy, re- you know, output, the beads of the heart, all that. And also for the brain. Then they decided to show a series of photographs. Some of them were pleasant and some of them were not. They would come at six second intervals and be up for a certain number of seconds. Okay. Now. They found, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life, and, and I know I've seen a lot of stuff. They found that the heart would alter its rhythm before the picture came up on the screen, shoot a p- impulse into the brain, telling the brain and the right part of the brain, if it was flight or fight or if it was an emotional thing or how it was supposed to respond, then the brain would prep the rest of the body for the response when the picture showed up. So the heart actually thought first and was intuitive because it responded before the picture came up.
0: So the person didn't know what the picture was, but the heart did?
1: Knew. And shot impulses out that gave the brain notice This is gonna be a bad thing. Get the you know, get the um, fight flight or fight mechanism going. And then the brain kicked in as the picture came up, but the heart knew it prior to the picture coming up. It's the intuitive part of our body. So when people talk about going with their gut or going with their head, what they're really talking about is going with their instinct. It's like their heart's leading them. Their heart has a memory. The heart can anticipate things. It has its own brain function. So if it has its own brain function and you put it into another person and it connects all of the connections together, you can actually absorb, they believe, it's possible that you can actually activate it somehow and pick and parts of that person's genetic memory through the heart actually become absorbed into the greater part of the brain and the heart and the not maybe consciously, but unconsciously.
0: So the heart isn't just some alligator brain that performs one specific function. It's actually, I mean, you wouldn't go as far as to say a consciousness, would you?
1: Yes, they did. Okay. Okay. Um, They call it electrophysiology of intuition, and it has a consciousness that can anticipate what's about to occur, and it has the ability to maintain memory of things that have biologically occurred in the past. And so if it starts to connect, when it starts to connect with the rest of the body, the host body and the brain, eventually over time, those memories seem to somehow become absorbed, which... um, I think it's fascinating. It says that they recorded brain and heart activity. Heart and brain react differently. Hang on. And um, the heart reported an emotional response before the human being saw the pictures and sent the impulse to the brain, um, the electrical centers of the brain, and the brain prepared the body to take an action as needed via what the heart's information was. But the heart felt... And, and responded intelligently to whatever that stimuli was going to be before it warned the brain to prep the body.
0: Now, how many times do they do this?
1: They did it with um, several hundred people over the course of several weeks. and then. But interestingly enough, in Canada, at the same time, there was another institute doing a similar study and found the same results independently. When they both began to publish their results, they realized they had done very much the same study. So they almost did a double-blind study without recognizing that they were doing it as a double-blind study.
0: But, okay, so how many people did this happen to? Every single one of them? Or was it just like a random, like... It could have just been somebody who was sensitive or something. It was,
1: no, it was, well, and that was one of the questions that he was looking at was the intuitive properties of the heart is that might be the seat of where our intuition is not in the brain. Right. But no, every person responded, some um, at a better rate than others, but almost, but every single person responded and they responded with heart brain first than head brain. Uh,
0: Were the people who responded less? More like overweight or more unhealthy than the people, like, is having a healthier heart?
1: No, I had like, nothing have, to do Okay.
0: With it. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to like wrap okay. your
1: brain around it. Well, where, yeah, or where. The heart.
0: Where does this fit in my theory of the future? Where does this fit in my where's the soul? Where does this fit in my how much does your brain actually contribute to memory? Uh, If, if like ghosts can remember things, then they don't have a brain. Therefore, where is the memory? Now you throw this so memory, in. I was getting so a clearer may, picture until right mem- now.
1: Memory. See, you thought you... That's the, the beauty of life. So you thought that memory was just something that happened in the brain. But memory happens at the cellular level. It happens in the heart. It may very well happen in every organ of our body. And it may happen to in our soul.
0: Yeah, but that's not exactly what you said. You said that, that an object... Like a, a organ in your body... Yes. Has an intuition and potentially a consciousness. That's not the same yes. as carrying memories. Like that's fine if you can, if you can carry memories, but when you add that to the equation, that's way different. So so it's like I that's knew the
1: next stepped up.
0: I knew it? that the the cellular thing could be like everybody's been saying, even the scientific community, like oh, there's something real that maybe there's uh, memories in your DNA. Right. And that's why like kids can do stuff that you do that you they couldn't possibly learn from watching. They just right. are And, and that's, that's like
1: you know there is a genetic memory and we know there's a genetic memory right, that, but... that every human being has. For example, two twins are adopted out they go to different families they never meet their their birth parents um, They're raised by different you know parents ones maybe very permissive, one's very very strict and religious. Um, they have totally different life experiences and yet, When you meet the birth family, like they do stuff that's totally uh, off the wall, like maybe they have a propensity for um, criminal activity Mm -hmm. and people would say that's a learned behavior, but we're finding out now it may not be, it may be a genetic behavior or maybe um, they are both um, prone to addiction, drug addiction or alcohol addiction or food addiction or whatever the addiction They have lived in different worlds, had different life experiences. It's not just a response to outside external stimuli like abuse or neglect or starvation or any of that. It is because, you know, addiction tends to be you medicating to try to cope with something else. Okay. Now we know that there's a component of genetics to it. In fact, they do DNA tests now to see if you're prone to obesity. As a child, they can do a DNA swab Mm -hmm. and say you're gonna be prone to heart issues, to obesity, addictions, yada yada. And And they cost like a couple hundred bucks. Right. And so they now know all that. But now added to that mix is the fact that there is a second brain in our heart that is intuitive and that functions, and that it may carry genetic memory with it. You're closing your eyes, Kenny.
0: Well, I mean, see, that all made sense that they would take on characteristics of the previous owner. That that made sense. But now we're talking about something beyond that, that I never considered. And now I don't know where it fits in my current theory of things.
1: (laughs) Now I have to tell you, this is cutting edge and by far most, most like neurosurgeons and stuff, they are still being trained in, in school that the heart's a pump. It's nothing. It doesn't matter. Yada, yada. But the researchers that are doing the research and it's being done from multiple um, directions, it's psychologists are doing research. Um, Neurosurgeons are doing research, there are a lot of different disciplines that are all looking and the information all funneling down to the same point yeah which is that the heart has there's this is an undisputable fact it has that neural net of brain cells inside of it and around it that are creating both long and short-term memory and that when it connects to the rest of the body, there's, it It actually alters, you know, the functions. And it seems to be talking to the brain. Remember, it puts out like 5,000 times more electromagnetic energy than the brain does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, they can now measure your, um, the electromagnetic energy from your heart six feet away from you. And that Is only because that's as sensitive as the equipment is today. Now imagine a person who, remember you, have you ever walked into a room with a person who just made you feel really uncomfortable and you couldn't tell why? All the time. Okay. It might be that your heart is reading the energy from that heart.
0: So, so the empathness that you say that I have, which I feel 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 is true. Right, but it's like, on uh, on st- on way more for me I think than than just typical you know like I can tell tell who someone is like right when I meet them the instant um and Jenna can expand on that but <laughs> um, I I just so could that could that be from my heart and not okay <laughs> Could See, that be from wheels, my heart and not my brain? It like, was
1: because it was a brain thing, but it may not be a brain thing. It may be a heart thing.
0: Okay. Yeah, because... <laughs> like you're like,
1: leaning against the mic. Like you're, uh, you're exhausted. Because I
0: was considering like... I only consider brain and soul. Ah. And now there's brain and soul and heart brain. Yeah. But then I have to... Change how I feel about the brain and soul to integrate that, and I feel to me, I feel ill. I feel ill actually.
1: I'm sorry you feel ill. I wanted you to be excited.
0: I feel like my heart is going to explode. My heart brain is responding. I'm having so much anxiety right
1: now. (laughs) Sorry, I'm
0: going to have a heart attack. No, you can't have a
1: heart attack
0: or a panic attack
1: don't have a panic attack either it's amazing it's beautiful
0: well no i'm so this, excited by it the well the <laughs> the thing is that this could advance things tremendously Uh huh. but then we've been saying that from the beginning the paranormal can will be able to enhance our world tremendously if you just bother and it's not really look.
1: paranormal none of it it's none of it's paranormal this is all natural right right this is normal. We just didn't, we, we built this narrow little box and whenever things fell out of the box and they, they didn't make sense in the box, it was we woo-woo. just said, oh, that must, be, that must be paranormal, not natural. But what I'm talking about is all wrapped together. And I'm saying to you that memory comes from our brain, yeah, our heart, possibly our other organs and our blood and our soul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So they all But, but the thing is it, it right.
0: is to uh, for our purposes, see, to us, paranormal isn't paranormal at all. Mm-hmm. Uh but that's not widely accepted. So because you said that there are people like uh neurosurgeons and stuff that aren't accepting this as fact. It's still paranormal. It's still outside. It's on the fringes. It's on the outside. It is
1: on the fringes. because, But it always takes 50 years for stuff to catch up. You know, the first person who said you could clone a sheep, they thought he was insane. The first person who said you could transplant a heart said, oh, you're nuts. Now we transplant organs constantly. But now they want to make a commercial enterprise out of it and make them just spare body parts. But they're not spare body parts. They're part of a whole puzzle. Of memory and neural networks and when you remove part of that neural network and place it into another person's neural network it seems to connect and on some level the memory the heart memory seems to impact some of these people now some of these people may not talk about it they think it's exceedingly underreported because it's um, unconventional mm-hmm And people blame it on things like, well, it's the trauma of having to go through this process and stuff like that. And some people just don't want to know. But the people that I was watching the interviews with, you know, they felt compelled as a rule to sort this out. Now, I gave you the extreme examples. Like when I gave you the stories I gave you, they took 70 stories. Of those 70, they winnowed it down to 10 People whose experiences were so extraordinary, like the little girl who was eight years old who could draw the face of the man who murdered the 10-year-old little girl whose heart she had in her body. That you can't explain. Right. By conventional terms. That would be much more than a guess. And then those are the cases they presented in the paper. Now, these papers were being presented at scientific organizations. We're not talking about, um, you know, the Inquirer, National inquiry in here. We're talking about psychological journals and stuff like that. And, um, you know, journals on neuroscience at the academic level.
0: Yes. So it's legit. But then why won't people accept it?
1: Because people don't, they never do. When people talked about penicillin, it took 50 years to convince people penicillin worked. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you mean mold on bread? You know, I mean, can do anything?
1: <laughs> natural inclination is,
0: huh? It's like, they were like, you mean mold on bread could do something, right? I exactly. mean, that's a simplified version, but,
1: <laughs> but yeah, you get it. What are you crazy? You know, vaccines, nobody believed in vaccines for years. Right. Right. Um, you know, that they could kill smallpox or stop people from getting, you know, diseases, like tuberculosis and stuff like that. Um, the medical community is as biased as every other community there is out there. Sometimes even more so, and they're entrenched in whatever their um, their religion is of the day, yeah. Whatever the the status quo is, and it takes a long time to go past that. So this stuff's going to float around out there for fifty to eighty years before you know our children or maybe our grandchildren are going to be the ones that are going to be the beneficiaries of this information. In a, in a tangible way, but the fact that it exists, that it's replicable and that multiple people and multiple organizations have been doing this research and coming up with similar conclusions
0: at the same time, that, not knowing they were doing it in two different and, and, countries. in Some
1: instances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I gave you that one because I think that one's really compelling. Um, and there are some books written on the subjects. And and if you go to heart math um, and do some studying on the subject, it's really cool. I, I spent days and days, like, I spent a little time on the stories. But I spent days and days wrapping myself in understanding the neural network and how it's functioning and how there's a heart in the brain and the body in the heart that is talking to the brain heart and all of that. And I was, like, so high, man. I was just so excited because this is amazing.
0: okay how so the people that you talked about you said that there could be long-term memory there right. but but the people that you talked about who got the transplants just took on characteristics and
1: and memories and remember they remember some of them had memories of being on a motorcycle or then yeah but that, that was like game.
0: your last their last memory right like <laughs> like there were characteristics they could have picked up little memories maybe they could have picked up but like, the real vividness was just the last moments for them, right?
1: Well, in some, in some responses, like the gentleman, though, that who um, suddenly just changed his entire universe and became, like, you know, Mr. Athlete. Yeah. He just picked up all these traits from this person.
0: Traits, yes.
1: And what have you. So, memories of things that the, this person wanted to do, and, and they became part of who he was.
0: Right. So, okay. <laughs> so... So and that, this is
1: in its infancy, so we don't know how far this will go. We just know that it exists now.
0: Yes. Okay, because I was, cons- from what you were telling me, it sounded almost like the heart's kind of like the little black box on an airplane. Like it's almost like we record vividly the last several minutes, you know, the last however long we record
1: it. in both places and probably in our in and several others as well. Right. So it's it's not that we absorb a memory only through our mind. We absorb the memories and and um in many ways, in different ways. And you know, the brain the or the heart's function, its main primary function we thought was just to pump the the fluid, but it also remembers the the rhythm that it needs to maintain. So whenever it picks up again, it, it has the exact same rhythm. It doesn't pick up and it's a different rhythm. And it, rem- it seems to anticipate things that are about to occur, things that are going to happen. Because that experiment, the double-blind experiment that accidentally happened, um, they're finding that the heart was responding and telling the brain what to think and do. And then the brain was following that process and preparing the body for it.
0: Yeah, See the fact that that's an accident. I don't think it's an accident. I feel like it's some sort of something, uh, whether it's God or whatever, you know, saying, "Okay, it's time for this," you know. And making there's more. There's
1: more to this than we ever anticipated. You people talk about, um, you know, in my heart, I know.
0: mm -hmm.
1: And people thought that meant that you were just convicted. About something.
0: Right. Or your subconscious in your brain knowing right. something. Or but it may
1: something. be something very different. It may be the seat of intuitive behavior.
0: Okay. Now we got to get past the heart. Hmm. So Why? We, we've said all that because I can't think of anywhere else to go besides where <laughs> I'm going now. Okay. So, <laughs> so you said that, uh, you know, some just said organ donors. They didn't all just say heart. Correct. But have there been any instances where someone got, say, a liver transplant or a kidney or something like that? And there have that... been
1: kidney transplants, lung transplants that I found, and others that were just less less specific.
0: Right, so not heart right. always. So So
1: that's what leads them to believe that the heart little heart or the heart has a little brain and that the blood picks up some of this electromagnetic energy and transmits it through the other organs who, which then also pick up some of that. And then as it's going back through the process and back up to the brain.
0: Okay. But then that creates another, uh, so DNA is like a tangible thing, Mm -hmm. right? right? But when you're talking electromagnetic, it can be measured, but it's not a tangible thing. It's like Wi-Fi or anything else. Right. So then there's a dichotomy between how does energy work and what role does the actual physical tissue play? As, Wait, in, uh, as in the blood, but you're saying also the circulation of energy. So like it could be both there too. It could be the energy portion doing stuff and the blood has its own thing
1: yes it could and they don't know that for sure but they're they're postulating that it's possible
0: hi i don't feel good <laughs> why don't you feel good <laughs> i feel lightheaded because <laughs> I, I just can't i can't like it's just, uh, okay my current theory was like this does this this does this this does this, this, does this a b c x y z but Mm -hmm. now you're bringing to me like a and a half b and a half (laughs) like like we're going to places between the letters here uh (laughs)
1: Well, see, you you do the thing that most people in, in, in the world do. And that's, I want to have a nicely little picture with it. I want to know exactly what this is, this is, and this is. Everything has its function. It's all said and it's all done. But I don't it like it to be, stay
0: where it is, like most people do.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, you don't. You're willing to listen um, to, to different things. But what makes this fascinating is that it's actually much more like... Um, finely tuned machine where all the parts have a place to play but they might have multiple things functions to play not just one and that in and of itself changes things and then the soul has its own memory i believe
0: i just thought of something
1: yes you want to stop the podcast before i break your brain
0: yeah this is our last episode everyone (laughs) No, it's not. No, no, no. I, I just... Okay. Here's one thing in the time episode I didn't ever consider. What if there is a future, but we are experiencing things in a time delay? Much like, you know, when someone swears on live TV, but they get to bleep it out because there's a, you know, five second delay or whatever. Now, what if your heart is in tune with what reality is at the moment and your brain's a little bit behind? So, your conscious, that part of your consciousness, your waking consciousness will say that maybe the brain is whatever. Maybe that this is to get you ready for what's about to happen. So, your life is on time delay.
1: It's possible.
0: So, but see, that's where I couldn't think. I'm like, what if like, like the long-term future I didn't think existed, but there could be the future is incrementally ahead of us and some people can tune into it like maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a year, but our brains are just on time delay.
1: And sometimes people tune into things that are vastly different, you know, like, and by accident, like for example, um, there's a, a book called The um, the Wreck of the Titan. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-mm. And it was written like years and years before The Wreck of the Titanic. And this uh, guy fell asleep. Oh. He was a writer.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you told me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you told okay. me on that episode, actually.
1: <laughs> so, you know, so maybe we can accidentally hit that into that river of energy at some point. But, but everything comes down to energy at the end of the day, including our souls. So, it, it all boils down to again we're in a car and it's got a a mechanical mechanism but beyond that there's an entirely different network of things happening and we've only sat there looking at the car going damn that's a pretty car not realizing that we're missing the bigger picture
0: but see this is what i live for this is why i do this podcast to find these you got these little increments, right? Like, oh, this ghost story, that ghost story, whatever. Uh, this this weird science anomaly that y- you never hear about again. Like, but this takes... I- I'm looking for the giant leaps, right? Because that the giant leaps help me form the rest of the picture in between uh, from the starting point to where I thought things were.
1: You're welcome.
0: No, well, yeah, but th- that's <laughs> what this podcast needs to continue being. We need to keep up on this. We need to do another update episode down the line, and I think want to think, try
1: to get a hold of Heart Math and find out more about it.
0: Yeah, that would be great because, like, I was thinking about uh, the one thing I listened to—the uh, Bad Christian podcast—they're called. They were talking about where they are now, for episodes plus later, versus where they were in the first one, and they're the way they think from all the guests and all the everything is totally different from four hundred to one. So if you were to go back and listen to their beginning podcast, it's like, who are these guys, right? And I feel like I was thinking about the time episode the other day, uh, you know, and, and how people see glimpses of the future and whatever, and it was starting to poke holes in my theories. But now, because of you today, I just got another time theory that actually, in a way, at this moment, makes the most sense to me. And I think we'll have to do another time episode after like episode 100 or whatever and see where we're at, you know, or where it doesn't have to be time episode, but like another philosophy episode, like how does all this fit in from what we've learned and what we've... Isn't
1: it exciting though? I mean, there's this little heart in our, our little brain in our heart and that this thing is putting out like 5,000 times the amount of electromagnetic energy of our brain and that it's intuitive. I mean, there's just so much. I found this amazing. And they think this might have a lot to do with why these transplant um, recipients are able to tap the memories and the, the habits and the interests and the likes of their donor.
0: Yeah, but this also has bigger implications than just those people. It's genetics, period.
1: It does. It has a lot. And yeah, I mean, like we have got to they are beginning to map the brain and, and it's still in its infancy again. but and, and they found that there are certain parts of the brain that are overly stimulated in people like, say, who are criminals. But it's not a foolproof thing yet. There's pieces of the whole puzzle still missing because you can have a person with an overstimulated brain who's not criminal, but you can go look at criminals and see that they have that same part of their brain overstimulated. Now, what makes one person able to channel it into becoming a great researcher and another person robbing banks?
0: Impulse control is another thing. Well, it's like, another
1: issue at, at play. And you do have the concept of genetics ver- you know, um, versus... Um, you know, learned behavior. And so there's all these other things at play. But at the end of the day, from our perspective in the paranormal community, this might actually explain intuitiveness. This could also go further in explaining a lot of other things. So we started out because I wanted to do an episode on um, transplant recipients who picked up the traits and memories of their um, donors. And it just morphed for me in like 12 hours. I just kept pushing a little further going and looking up this person that they talked about and that thing that they said and going on and on. And then I'm like, was heart math real? And then I started looking and I'm like, dang on it. There is a place called heart math. It's in San Francisco. And here's this professor. And I'm like, I found videos of him talking about the stuff that they're doing. And, and I start piecing all of it together and I'm like, wow. And then I go back and I find, um, it's not just me. There was actually a documentary I found where they had several of these same people and they were taking a, a same trajectory heading in the same direction I was going. And I'm like, it's not me. They all believe it too. So That's the trajectory of the sciences. When taking, was right? that
0: accidental double blind done? What year?
1: I would have to look to see for sure, but it would have to have been, like recent, um, or early two thousands is when they started doing the research. It takes a while to get through a process like that. You know, you bring in so many people at a time and then you have to correlate all the statistics and then you have to go back over it and double check it. And then after that, then you start putting together a paper stating what your results were. Right, but for
0: all intents and purposes, like...
1: Recently. This has been
0: buried for... I mean, this hasn't seen the full public light for 20 years. No. No. So we could have been so much more advanced than we are now. If if and, they would if people would listen, and,
1: yeah, I mean, and that happens all the time with, with
0: everything. Yeah, that happens constantly.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not a shock at all if it's the 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 um the parameters of what normally happens when science is starting to change things, because scientists are as entrenched in their in their philosophies and their and their doctors are entrenched in their philosophies, and and you know if it's if they've got made bank on the fact that. Um, you know, people can't have near death experiences and people can't pick up the traits of their donors. Um, they're, they're not, they're going to go kicking and screaming every inch of the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for everybody listening out there, this is the, the biggest thing that I wanted to happen with this podcast. Well, besides helping people and getting information out is just making people think a different way embrace all possibilities that's all i want for like the entire world (laughs) like like be open to everything and whittle out the the bs you know
1: well the scientific method requires that you just simply look at the data yeah and see if it how it falls. You don't try to control the fall of the data. Mm-hmm. You just let the data lead you to whatever the conclusion can be. And you never marry yourself to a conclusion because that conclusion could change ra- drastically if the data leads you elsewhere.
0: Yeah. And if you hear something that makes you change your entire outlook, at least entertain it. You know, don't just go, well, that doesn't match my system of belief. So, you know,
1: But we're so much more complicated than even we understood.
0: Yeah. Well, this needs to be on a bigger stage because I hate that it happened in the early 2000s. And I'm just now hearing about it. You know what I mean?
1: Well, because it it got marginalized because it was actually tucked away uh, amongst all this research on, you know, and these anecdotal stories um, from people who had... Um, experiences of becoming more like their donors or um, having some sort of impact from the donor on their life and um, in a tangible way like changing your your likes and dislikes having dreams about what happened to them um, you know that kind of yeah stuff. but
0: the fact that they just go oh, I can't explain it but meh like that drives that me up science. the wall that I cannot stand that
1: all the time you know Edison, Einstein, you name them—they've all fought it. Um, Tesla—we're still fighting to figure out what the hell Tesla knew because he was shut down every time he started talking because people couldn't grasp what he said. Now we're finding out Tesla was right when they said he was wrong.
0: Well, there I'm a are big things fan of Tesla. Same—he should have—he should have been much more in the public eye than he was. Oh but gosh, you find yeah. out like all these things he had in his journals, and you're like, oh my goodness! Like and the fact like, that the
1: government came in and took them. Yeah. The minute he died and his family has been fighting since then to get them back and still can't get them.
0: Yeah. See, I think he was one of those...
1: He was uh, a visionary. He
0: was one of those um, receptors for like Einstein was. Okay. I say whatever Einstein said, you should listen to almost all of it because he was tapped into something. You don't just go to sleep, have a dream, and the theory of relativity just appears. You don't do that. Like, he wasn't even thinking about it. It just, poof. He he just was receiving things from wherever. It could have been aliens, could have been God, could have been, who knows? But Tesla was in that same vein. Tesla was having all these ideas that we're just now finding out about that are leaking almost. Like, it's almost like it has to be leaked. Exactly. He was tapped into something.
1: And science tends to want to negate God as a, as a general rule. I hate that. Oh, I can give a biological function explanation for why the heart does what it does. Therefore, that negates the the majesty of God creating the human being. But this is telling us that we are so much more complicated. We are so much more than we thought we were. Yeah. We are not just a bundle of biological functions. Um, and as I said, I believe... C- cells, the wrapped in a,
0: <laughs> cells wrapped in a meat suit... Exactly. Basically, yeah.
1: Um, you know, I I believe that the the soul has a memory. That is the real depositor of our memory. Our brain is kind of a holding tank. I think our heart is a holding tank. But at the end of the day, I think our soul is the real repository for our memory. Um, and I think we're like halfway there now.
0: Well, let's talk about the soul in this context. Now, uh, when the heart was transplanted and they took on characteristics, is there any chance that piece a piece of... The soul came to. Is there a chance that the soul is held in multiple places, or I, I don't even know how to how to put this into a question? But it it seems to me like you know you have spirits getting possessed. Uh, um, they get attached to objects right. sometimes, and or
1: to other people, right? Or- and I'm wondering and if I... that's
0: that's they're like adding, they're joining their soul or like adding to their soul, being embedded in their soul with like a little piece of their soul came over and that's where it is now. And it just joined the system or, you know, like, or is it just the biological neurons?
1: I can't tell you that with any certainty because obviously I wouldn't have the answer to that question. But my guess is... Yeah, what's your guess? That's my guess is all I can give you is a guess. Of course, yeah. um, Is that the... The biology is what comes through, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the heart and the brain connection and all of that. I think the soul is a separate unit, if you will. It's the actual driver of the whole mechanism, and much like the, go back to the car analogy, I've been using it for a while. So the soul is in the car of our body. Mm-hmm. The body is functioning on multiple levels, and so... On a genetic level, we're remembering things. On a um, cultural level, we remember things and all of that. But above all of that is the soul memory. And I think that that is the vehicle that comes into the body and that's the vehicle that exits the body. And what they're tapping into because it's um, an imperfect memory, it's bits and pieces, is just the fragments of the biological heart memory, the heart mind, Um that are connecting to the neurons in the brain and mm-hmm. the neurons in the heart and the neurons in the brain are talking. And even though they're talking at an unconscious level where we're not deliberately saying it, it's still impacting the brain and our, and our, our personality. But at the end of the day, the thing that it gets that is holding it all together is the soul. Mm-hmm. That's my guess.
0: That's a good guess. I think that's pretty much where I'm at at this moment with my, had Not being able to sit and think about it for hours like I usually do. <laughs> so, we're not
1: negating the soul at all. We are actually saying that the biological meat suit, as you called it, is a vehicle for the soul here. For yeah. whatever the purpose. And that the soul continues on. And, um, you know, I, if people like this stuff, I really need them to tell me because I don't want to, like, spend all this time and, and, and like chew up their story time and what have you. And I'll tell you ghost stories if that's what you want to hear. And believe me, I got some planned for the next couple episodes, but I want to know if people are as hungry for this information as, as I am and as you are.
0: I'm going to guess they're going to say yes. They're going to want more.
1: Um, it's, i hope they do and i, I, want I feel to like really that's just our free. that's
0: just our the kind of crowd we draw it's the like, like you called this the thinking person's podcast right or it is a thinking, thinking person's person, paranormal, paranormal, paranormal podcast. Paranormal
1: podcast. Yeah. it is because this is a group of people that i've i've been watching them and and talking to them and watching them grow and like i know that they are sitting there going oh my god i you know I didn't know this and, and they're absorbing all these bits and pieces what we're throwing at them and I'm absorbing them. I'm no better or no worse than anybody else. I'm still, you know, chugging down the same road along with everybody else. I'm just like yelling behind me. Hey guys, check this out as I see it, you know, what's this? Um, but I want to make sure they they want to do this. They want to go this direction because I got other stuff to talk about that's going to take us down that path even further.
0: Yeah, but ghost stories will be there too. Ghost stories because will always that's, be there. That's what that was the draw of everyone coming here to begin with, but yeah, hopefully no, I they mean, and, stay because of this, you know.
1: Right, but uh, no, I, like I said, I have every intention of doing a whole pile of ghost stories. I've I've already been doing. Um, compiling some collections of ghost stories to tell um in the next few episodes but in the meantime every so often my brain wanders in this direction yes i realize that some people think that's weird but if you want to wander over here with me i want to know so that i can share more of the stuff and if i see things and hear things that update this material then i think that's even you know more fascinating and and we're going into ghost stories and I know we're going to do some mermaid stuff and some other things and talk about collective consciousness and all these other topics as well.
0: Yeah. Why don't we uh, address the administrative stuff to go out of here? Because I, I can't think of anything at the moment. I will for next time we do something. So did this... it
1: blow your brain? I told you the day I saw you that. I, was, uh, I said, oh my God, I found out some stuff I think it's going to blow your brain.
0: I'm going to go make tacos, eat tacos, and then pass out and not wake up. For no, you have to wake four up. days. <laughs> I'm gonna go no, into no, no. A, a slight coma from all this overexertion of my brain. Um anyway. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, we're yeah, we're definitely taking some time off from these because I, I just need some light stuff, and I'm sure people out there just need some light stuff.
1: I find this amazing, and to me this is light stuff in that it is um It is just confirmation for me of the amazingness of the human
0: person and (laughs) and
1: the soul. Yeah, I just found it. I just was so excited. My kids will tell you. I was making them listen to me all day long going, stop, stop. You got to hear what I just found out. Got (laughs) to. And they're all like rolling their eyes going, yeah, that's cool, mom. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah. So let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know if you want more like this. And uh, I guess a couple announcements uh we're going to be doing the uh, so a lot of people really liked how we did the uh the movie reviews some people thought it was boring because they probably aren't exactly into knowing more about the film industry and some of the other things that we expanded upon which i get or maybe they just didn't like us without Patty. <laughs> that could be the other thing. It doesn't... Regardless, uh, we're trying to get everybody on board. So what we're going to do is... Uh, especially for the people that love the the movie review, but said... But I wish that Patty would have like a piece of it or a role in it or whatever. So that's what we wanted to do originally, but we had scheduling conflicts. So now we're going to make sure that we're doing... Jason and I doing a little bit of a movie review. Um, co- probably combining the breakdown and the review together. Um, and then for about three quarters of the rest of the episode, we're going to be on with Patty talking about a facet of that movie. So the next movie we're going to do is the lighthouse and it has mermaids. So Jason and I will review the lighthouse and then we'll talk to Patty with mermaids. So it'll be like the first crossover. It's the first time you'll hear m- me, Jason and Patty all at the same time, which we're all friends now at this point um jason's been with us a long time in the background so yes. it's it's good for all three of us to be together for a few times and get that extra voice that people are probably sick of me be getting my brain oh they're blown. not
1: sick of you <laughs> but.
0: but it'll be cool to see him ask some questions from a non and
1: i found some really cool mermaid stuff too
0: yeah yeah so that's what we're going to be doing for the horror things from now on and uh we hope you enjoy that um also we're going to be uh well, we we have changed up what we're doing on the Patreon. Do you want to say what that was and talk a little bit about our recent Patreon episodes? The subject matters and whatnot.
1: The um near death experiences? Uh yeah. So we did a two part episode on near death experiences. The first part was open for everybody. That was the positive stories. And then the second part of it were the negative stories, but also um, a larger picture of what might be a spiritual conspiracy, if you will, to um, keep some of these stories under wraps. And that was given to the Patreon. So if you're interested and you want to hear the other side of this dynamic, um, then, you know, you need to um, go ahead and join uh, the Patreon. You'll get that episode, all the previous episodes that we did for Patreon and all the other things that are coming for the patreons um and if you're not
0: sure if you want to do it yet uh you know keep looking i'm I'm gonna keep posting clips from Mm -hmm. those episodes like little kind of showing you like kind of the stuff that we did like the one we played a game uh which was fun the other the the first one my brain literally broke and i'm sorry i'm not sure if it was more than this one or not but uh so if you want to see you know some of our more intense and more uh, light stuff. Like we we kind of go light and dark over there, right? We don't really stick with the middle. We we kind of go the the extremes on our Patreon. So d- you definitely don't want to miss that if you love this content.
1: So it's more of us being us.
0: Us being in us in an intense way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so well, hopefully but, the
1: people will do that. They'll join us and um, check it out.
0: Yeah, and we're it's five trying. Bucks a month. It's five bucks a month. Your contribution will go a long way. We're really trying to get a website now. Um, It's just the people that we want to pay. Uh, We don't have the money to do so at this moment. So um, every little thing that we get, we have uh, about eight patrons now. And hopefully, uh, if you like what we do and you want to get some extra content and some other stuff, that would help us a lot. So we appreciate it in advance. And help us
1: building this this project. this program, because, you know, there aren't a lot of programs out there talking about the kind of stuff we talk about. Everybody tells ghost stories. And I'm happy, like I said, to tell ghost stories. I've spent a lifetime telling ghost stories. But beyond all that, I know that our viewers, uh, the ones I've talked with and what have you, they're very intelligent people who are questioning and learning and wanting to know more. So we want to be able to give you that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to start doing more uh, to outreach to you guys um we have gotten a couple phone calls from you and we'll be playing those and doing like kind of a breakdown of that and we want to try to do some more lives or you know uh let us know what you want us to do to interact with you guys um we really only get to one-on-one interact with the people that contact us with a question directly so if you want to be if you have a question for us you know contact us send us a dm and the phone number, if you'd like to call, is 814-414-4341. 814-414-4341. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us your ghost story. We'll break it down. Uh, and also, um, somebody has sent us a suggestion, which was cool, um, about something that we should do. So if you have suggestions for the show, we'll hear it. So yes. feel That's free to hear us up. Is that
1: episode that we're getting ready to do?
0: Uh no, it was something that we haven't even talked about yet.
1: Oh, okay. But we do have a cat episode because somebody had asked about that as well that we're working on.
0: Everybody wants the cat episode. I know. <laughs> from the I live. Know. If we learn anything from the live, uh everybody loves cats here. But um yeah, I think that's all for today. Do you have anything else to add?
1: No, I think I've 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 contributed enough to the confusion today.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna go bang my head against the wall till all this makes sense. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye everyone.
1: Bye.